2: What's good, Wild Black family? You know, we love bringing you information that you need. And today I want to talk to you about a new podcast. It's called Seizing Freedom, and it illuminates the untold stories of African Americans securing their own liberation at the end of the Civil War and how they made that freedom real by organizing for equality during Reconstruction, despite every attempt at violent suppression. First-hand accounts are given new life through powerful voice acting, And interviews with historians draw parallels to social and political movements taking place today. It's something you really need to take a moment and check out. Believe me, it's something I'm listening to. Do yourself a favor and listen now at SeizingFreedom.com or in your favorite podcast app. Peace. What's going on? This is Vince. Listen, I want to tell you about a new podcast that I'm sure the Wild Black family needs to hear. It's called Be Anti-Racist, and you know that fits right in our wheelhouse. It's hosted by the esteemed Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. On the show, Dr. Kendi discusses policies and practices that have sustained injustice in our society and how we can dismantle racism to build a just, equitable world. Alongside guests like Julian Castro, Jamel Hill, Don Lemon, and Heather C. McGee, Dr. Kendi ties the past to the present, inviting listeners to consider What an anti racist future might actually look like, and laying out the strategies to achieve one. An anti racist future depends on all our actions, and Be Anti Racist will help us understand precisely how to build one. Listen to Be Anti Racist
1: wherever you get your podcasts. And it's the question that we always asked ourselves as men Am I worthy? Am I worthy for my children? Am I worthy for my calling? Am I worthy for my community? We're always looking for affirmation. Even superheroes need affirmation. Right. There's a reason that Spider-Man is called amazing. Why would you have to call Spider-Man amazing? Dude, right. Don't you think that he knows he's amazing? Right. Why do you have to call the Hulk incredible? Don't you think the Hulk knows he's incredible? Right. No, there's moments where the Hulk sitting there and he doesn't feel so incredible. The four people that hang together, they don't know they're fantastic. Man doesn't know he's super, Mm. right? Heroes need affirmation, and we, as men, are heroes in the lives of the people who love us. Mm. And we have to show up each and every day knowing that we're worthy for for the position. 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 For the position.
3: Welcome to Wild Black, a seriously opinionated podcast bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything.
2: Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. That would be where Art normally says, welcome back, welcome back, but he is not here today. Art got some things that came up, so I'm riding solo, but that's all good because we've got an amazing topic and one that I'm actually really excited to talk about because it relates so significantly to me. Today we are talking fatherhood, specifically black fatherhood, what that means, what they tell us, what you believe. We're here to really just have a great conversation about it. And as always, we've got an amazing guest with us today. We actually have two of them. So give me a second and let me introduce you. Guest number one is Dorsey Levens. I know you know the name. He's a retired Green Bay Packer, Pro Bowl running back, father, actor, writer, producer, trainer, forward thinker. And most importantly for this conversation, he is a father. Our second guest is Mr. Kenneth Braswell. He's the chief executive officer of Fathers Incorporated, as well as an author of several children's books, a documentarian, and is known as the foremost authority on fatherhood and fatherhood initiatives in the United States. That's a hell of a claim right there. I'm so glad that these brothers are here so we can set the record straight, so we can talk about black men in positive lights, fathers, and really just have a great conversation about it. So I want to jump in real quick. Fellas, Dorsey, I'll start with you. You're to my left. If you don't mind, tell the folks listening just a little bit more about you.
4: Born and raised in Syracuse, New York. Always been an athlete my whole life, Uh, football and basketball. Right. Went to Notre Dame out of high school. That didn't work out. Transferred, went to Georgia Tech, finished up there with my degree. 1994 in business management. Drafted by the Packers the same year in the fifth round. 11-year uh, career, eight in Green Bay, two in Philly, one with the Giants.
2: Right.
4: Won a Super Bowl, lost two Super Bowls. Like you said, since then I've been doing some acting. Um, I was on tour with Tyler Perry doing a Medea play. Right. Medea on the run. Did that for about a year and a half. Did uh, his uh, his show for better or worse in his studio as well. Right. Now I've ventured off into doing some other stuff. I, um, I want to spend company. Uh, that's the way I try to stay in shape. You know, these old bones can't really take that. love it. Multiple streams of income the, uh, revenue. We love it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's like I said, from all these years of football, the pounding, you, there's not really much I can do yeah. outside of ride a bike. Uh, and also I have a mindfulness program, uh, mindset training right. for coaches and athletes to get them in the right mindset to perform at the highest levels. Here's the thing. We're always taught how to succeed. Right. right, And how to go for our goals and how to be ambitious. When the reality is we're going to fail. right? And we're going to fail multiple times. But nobody yep. ever taught me growing up, you're going to fail. Things aren't going to go the way you planned. How do you get past that? Yeah. You have to was, learn how to fail. You have to learn how to fail. Yeah. You know, and then, but then uh, here here's the, the change of perspective. Failure is how we learn. Yeah. Trial and error is the number one way we learn. So failure is not, it's, It's not something bad. It's just part of life. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. So why not embrace that? Yeah. Kenneth, brother, tell us a little bit more about yourself.
2: I
1: don't know how to follow that up. (laughs) So for me, I'm a Brooklyn-born boy. Right. I am everything New York, Times Square, Coney Island, (laughs) Giants, Knicks, Nets, Rangers, hot dogs, pizza. (laughs) I am everything New York. Came to Atlanta six years ago. Um. After wanting to um, get out of New York, because quite frankly, I just got tired of shoveling snow, came into my calling through pain. Right. Um, came into this work of responsible fatherhood because the, the um, concept of pain and failure again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sitting on a couch, um, com- um contemplating taking my life. Right. You know, wow. because wow. I wow. lost the girl, right. lost my business, lost my compass, lost yeah. my focus. Um, felt like I lost my support, lost all of those things. And I found myself sitting there on a the couch, um, not knowing where to go. Um, but I ended up going right back to where my mother told me to go whenever I got into that place, right. pray Amen, and talk to God. And so my mm. conversation with him that day was, God, if you don't give me anything to get up off of this couch for, this is where they'll find me. And mm. I had my pills laid out on the table mm. to like take them. And as I was sitting there, I just, you know, as he does, he speaks in very few words, but they're very profound and loud. I know when God is speaking to me. I know the tone. I know the pitch of his voice. And he says, speak to the hearts of men. Hmm. And I sat there and I was like, wow, I don't know what that means. That's not what I'm doing. I was a DJ. I was, you know, doing all kinds of other things. I wasn't doing anything about fathers. And so um, I got up. About six hours after sitting there on the couch and I sat in front of my computer and three hours later I had a fifteen page perspective of Fathers Incorporated. Wow. It just when I started writing, it just started flowing out. Um, because at when the you same know it's time, there, brother. Yeah, it just and in three days I had my EIN number, I had my bank account, I had a board. I had a website. Mm. I had my email. I had, a, I had an organizational structure within three days of getting up off of that couch. Mm. And it went from there. And so um, I'm a father of five and a half or mm. five, five slash one. Um, I have four girls, um, 40, 39, 26, 22, and a surprise blessing, um, who was 12.
4: <laughs> um, he was that one
1: who I thought it was over you know, and woke up one morning, wife is crying. What's wrong with you? What did I do? <laughs> what did I do? And she said those words, you know, I'm mm. pregnant. Um, but he has turned out to be an absolute blessing in my life. And he was God's plan for me to kind of take my work even deeper because before that I had four girls. I didn't have any boys. Right. And I had declared after that after having those girls, that I did not want to bring another black male into this world, right? And so I agonized over finding out that he was a boy. I, I can, struggled I can with that, that. Um, and then I just decided to embrace it and 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 put him in God's hand and just say to myself that those things that I can protect him f- from, right. I will be pr- ever present in his life to do that for them. But for those things that I'm not there to protect them from, I leave them in your hands. And you have to give me a space to be okay with not having to have him in my hands and in my arms every second of his life, which I know that that's not going to happen.
3: At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures.
0: It's like having a personalized superstore
1: and entertainment hub right at your fingertips.
0: So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.
1: And then last June, we, um, my nephew from New York um, came to live with us from my sister-in-law who was struggling in school. Right. C.D. student at best. Um, left back last year. Latchkey kid. Right. Um, Mom is working he's at home, you know playing p s four all day right um, came to us um and um as my as the saints would say, we got his mind right <laughs> and um he has got nothing but A's and B's since he's been here that's awesome and I'm clearly um convinced that for our children, environment and atmosphere is everything yeah. it is everything it is not the aptitude of our children not having the ability to learn. It is the environment that hinders their their ability to focus on learning yeah. and focus unfortunately on surviving. This just yeah. a difference between living and surviving. And so I true. think that's what so many of our people are doing. I'm a man of God. Right. Um, I, I don't do anything about speaking to God first. I don't right. I don't go left or right. Um, without doing those things, Fathers Incorporated is now seventeen years old When I started Fathers Incorporated. I was in the basement in my underwear with the wash machine and the drive running in one corner and the cobwebs through there and the kids <laughs> running upstairs that 's where I started with no money whatsoever right, right. Um, but I kept at it but kept a good at idea, idea doesn 't care where you are it absolutely doesn't that's right it absolutely doesn't um, in two thousand and ten um we had the fortunate pleasure of bidding for the National Responsible Fatherhood Clearinghouse under the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. I was still in my basement at the time. And we won that contract. That contract was $7.8 million. I was in Bible study when I got the call. We rebid for it again, and they raised it to $19 million. Man, And so we have, for the last 11 years— overseeing the federal governments, at least from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, who does all of the funding for fatherhood. We've been the TA and the orchestrator of all of that work that's been taking place over the last uh, 11 and a half years God, that's so uh, from amazing. here. But that was the contract part of it. And the FI piece of it, the piece that is really growing now, is the piece that we got engaged in to do direct service, right? Um, I always tell people about Fathers Incorporated, although it is designated as a 501c3. While I am charitable, I'm not a charity. I run a business, and my business is people, and my business is fathers, and my business is children. And so everything that we do within Fathers Incorporated, I do from a corporate mindset. Assets, liabilities, debits. Return on investment, personnel, workers' comp, all of that stuff I do from a corporate mindset. Right. And it's been what's kept us sustained because I believe that the best businesses are those who continue to serve when things are going
5: bad for everybody else. Right. We're going to jump into our wild black shit. And before we get into our wild black shit, allow me to bring you a word from our sponsor, Surfshark. Let's talk about internet security. When you're online, you want to be as safe as possible viewing social media, watching movies, playing games, paying bills, et cetera. But did you know a lot of the web traffic and your physical locations are being tracked and logged as you use your laptop and your cell phones? Yep, everywhere you go and everything you do. So we want to help you better protect yourself. So we've partnered with Surfshark, a highly secure virtual private network that protects your identity, location, and online data. It can be used on almost every device you connect to the internet. And since we love you all so much, you get an 83% discount plus three extra months all for free. Visit the link surfshark.deals wildblack. Again, that's surfshark.deals wildblack. Now back to our Wild black shit. And
2: listeners know this is, a, this is our fun section. Get to know each other. Uh, relate to the listeners, loosen up, but you all obviously don't need to loosen up at all. I get a chance to slow down a little bit and have some fun. You all ready? I'm Let's ready. ready. Let's all go. right. All right. Three questions. The first two, fun lately. It's like Black Jeopardy. A little bit. A little, <laughs> bit, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. The third one is our signature question, but I'm going to start with question number one. We're talking about fatherhood, right? Mm-hmm. And so these first two questions are going to tie right into that theme. What is the most black dad line
4: you can come up with? Me, it's real easy. Who the fuck you talking to? <laughs>
5: What's funny I got that on. <laughs>
4: that's, that's, that, that, that's real easy for me. And, and, and as a kid, it, you, you're stumped, right? He's like, uh, uh, well, I guess nobody then. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, don't pay me no mind. I'm just talking. That's a good one. That's so a true. good
1: one. Man, for me, I didn't grow up with my dad, so I don't have it. So I only have my own lines right. that I know I throw out that I know come from somewhere, something I heard somewhere. Right And for me is, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> My father, you say, um, h- how did he
2: put it? You know, d- do you think I just fell off the turnip truck? That was his <laughs> <life>. <laughs> right.
1: It's like, no, I got it. I got it, though. Uh, but there's I another love theme. That one. I'm going to have to come. I'm going to use that one. I love that one. Because I use that all the time. <laughs>
2: all right, second question. Staying on staying in the theme of dads. Thinking back to television, black television, white television, whatever television, when you think back to the families and the men that you saw on television, what television dad do you feel got it the most right? That's easy for me. What you got?
1: James Evans. I, I like John that. I, I, knew,
2: I knew it had to come up because
1: it's too strong of a figure. But here's you. the cool thing about James. I actually right. gave him an award from my organization all several right, so years cool. ago. And he was in Mexico and he took a plane to fly to New York just for my awards dinner. Mm-hmm. And I got a chance to say something to him that I had, had been in my heart all these years after watching him. Right. And I said to him, I don't think you understand that in the third season of the first episode, when we learned that you died, many of our fathers died that day. hmm And he 100%. just, he froze. I was like, no, you were the only symbol that I had as a dad to live up to. It's a real statement, too.
4: Mm. Dorsey, what you got, brother? I would agree 100% with what Kenneth just said, um... But I was also inspired, if we're talking about just the TV part of it, by Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. Fair,
2: fair. <laughs> right, fair. Just, I mean, just, I think he's
4: always got to be in the conversation. Oh, absolutely. Right. When you talk I, about I, yeah. a television person. If we're talking about TV dads, we talking. He, he, was, he was a dad that I rarely saw. Right. You know, I, I didn't know... None of my friends' dads were doctors. Right. Not even lawyers. Most of us... 95% of our dads worked in factories in Syracuse. Yeah. It, it was an inspiration for me. It's like, okay, we can do something other than work in a factory, right? And we can have a wife who was a lawyer, and 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 kids who were doing well. It was just a different perspective. But right. but but James Evans was the original. Absolutely, he was the original. By far, easy. He's, he's the TV blueprint. Yes, yes. absolutely, one hundred percent.
1: You know, the two individuals that people, when they see them in those old shows, they are dads, but people don't include them in the dad narrative. But they are dads that also were great role models, George Jefferson and Fred Sanford. Yep. Mm. You're very right. You're very right. Like when we think of them, we don't think about, we think about George Jefferson as a business person. Yeah. And we also think about Fred Sanford as a business person, but we never yeah. like describe them as dads. We describe them as business people.
4: Yeah. Yeah. As, as if we can't hold both roles simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Fred, and Fred was a single dad. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's something that we don't, he's the only single dad I I can remember on TV. Mm -hmm. And and, and in both of those examples,
2: you can see the unique relationship with their children, but also a very positive relationship. Mm Yeah. Right. Even in the name calling, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's something about that, right?
1: You, (laughs) Mm -hmm. You can see the positivity in it. My thing that he used to always crack me up is when he used to tell Lamont, um, you're going to get all of this. <laughs> As a dad, it's like, listen, this all I got. It ain't much. But you know what? All of this is going to be yours. yours. That's right. 100. All right,
2: we'll move to question number three. And, and Kenneth, I'll start with you for this one. What do you love most about Life While Black? Wow.
1: I just love being black. Mm-hmm. There ain't no experience like the experience of being black with all this stuff that goes on. Like, I love the beauty of our culture. I love the swag of our culture. Mm-hmm. I love the impact of our culture. You know, if, you know, and you can ask people these questions like, if you could wake up one morning and change, what would you change your color? Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. And if I had to, I might come back a little dark on you. Right.
3: <laughs> At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just being black. The black experience is nothing. I don't compare to other cultures. I know yeah. other cultures feel the same way about them, but I don't yeah. think there's anything out there like being black people. Yeah.
2: Plus, the, the real impact behind that statement is when you look at Black people, holistically, and what we've gone through over such a significant amount of time, there's something to be said to go through that Mm -hmm. and still want to come back and be that. Mm -hmm. That shows you that, that there's something innately inside of us that is bigger than anything that we've gone through for us to, to really, because I mean that, right? When mm-hmm. I say that, and I, and I know you mm-hmm. mean it
1: as well, mm-hmm. to come back and I would choose this life all over mm-hmm. again. But well, we are deeply invested in everything that we do. Yes. That's a that's a culture trait that most cultures don't have. I mean, yeah. we are deeply invested. When we sing, we're deeply invested in singing. Yeah. You know, when we play sports, we're deeply invested. When we, you know, eat, When we sit down at the table, when we communicate, when we go to church, everything that we do, we are deeply invested in it um, as black people. And I don't think that there's any other cultures out there, and I could be wrong, I'm only speaking for mine, that feel and act that deeply about who they are. I'm with you. Dorsey, what are you thinking? What do you love most
2: about
4: Life While Black? Everything Kenneth said, but I I was summing up by saying just being authentically soulful. Mm -hmm. You You know know what? That's the first time we've heard that before. Yeah, just yeah, break just, that down a little bit. I love it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like you said, the swag, the food, the way we walk, the way we yeah. talk, the way we sing, the way we rap. The fact that there are a lot of white people who wanna be just <laughs> like us. Right. Don't don't like us, <laughs> but, but want to be just yep. like, like us. Right. Yep. Music, swag, the way we dress, the way we talk. Mm-hmm it's cool to be black. Yeah. You know, I mean, outside of having the police on your neck. Right. People look at us and, and they go, yo, like, that's what I want to be. He's got, and it, for us, it's, it's, we don't know what it is. It's just, it's innate. It's that's right. who we are.
5: Yeah. Right.
4: You know, we just, we wake up black and it's, it's in our, it's in our, it's in our blood. <laughs> yeah. You know, and for me, it's just, obviously we live in a society where we don't have the upper hand in this country. But even with that being said, man, it's still, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't be any other color. I love the fact that, I, that, that I'm a great athlete. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to, has to do with, with the melanin in my skin. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: It's, it's authentically soulful. Yeah,
2: from I head love to toe. that. I love that. Um, I, I always stop for a moment and, and really talk about it when we hear something for the first time, right? Because we've now done hundreds of episodes and I've asked that question every single time. And so when someone comes in and they can use a, a different descriptor or a different word, I always want to just take a moment and appreciate it because what it does is it, it adds to the armory that we have when it comes to defending what it is to be black. Mm-hmm. And so, so people, I, I want you to just take a moment and, and think about what that means to you, the soulfulness of, of being black. Digest that and, and give it some, some internal thought so that you can, can wield that weapon when it's time as well. I want to jump into the questions. I want to start talking about what we're here for. I want to talk about Fathers Incorporated. And and I want to start here. I'm actually going to do this a little bit backwards, right? Well, actually very backwards. I I have a couple of questions, but I probably won't ask them, right? Because I just want this to be a very good conversation. Mm -hmm. But I am going to ask one to start with, and, and that is this. I normally ask this at the end of the episode, but I want to put it here because I think it's important.
1: Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: You woke up on, on that day, right, when you decided to sit on the couch and contemplate ending your life. You woke up that day. And unbeknownst to you, God already had something in mind for you, right? Mm -hmm. He was waiting for you to to go through that moment, right? So you would be open enough to receive this message and it could be planted inside of you and then grow and sprout to what it is today, right? Mm -hmm. He knew that before you even woke up that morning, right? And I found that when God brings you an idea that solid, that's that ordained, it comes with messaging, right? There's deleted scenes. There's all the same stuff we get on the DVD, whether we recognize it or not. And there's messaging in that as well. So if your microphone, the one in front of you right now, went to the ear of every father in the entire world, you had a direct line of contact to them and no one could turn it off. Mm -hmm. They had to hear every single word you said. What would your message be? You're worthy. Very succinct and to it. I love it. Why why that? Why, Why do you think they need to hear that message?
1: Because life has a way of draining your spirit yeah, and attacking your self-esteem. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: I love that, brother. I've never thought about it myself that way, but that, that'll change the perspective that I have myself. I am amazing. Hmm. All right. So we, we've talked about like the how you came to this idea. So let's, let's do this for the people. Break down for the people. What does Fathers Incorporated do?
1: We build stronger fathers to build better communities and the well-being of children, right. whatever that looks like. Right. But we also, in the work that we do, are very conscious about impacting the narrative, particularly of black fathers, right. We're going back to worthiness. Right. Part of what happens with black fathers is that we continue to tell them that you're not worthy right. as a father. You're not worthy, right? It's my child, not yours, right? right? The court says you lose, Right. right? The child says, where have you been? And all of those things attach our worthiness and we still have to remind ourselves, you know, that we're worthy. And so there's a couple of things that I always tell fathers to put them in perspective about who we are. So we can, I can sit here and talk to you for days about the direct services. Yeah. We give jobs. We, we help them with the legitimation, the child support. We do all that stuff. All right. the things that allow you to be able to get over the obstacles that are serving as barriers for you to be the best father. Right. But there's these other things that you just have to kind of know that's going to put you in position to deal with those things when you have to deal with them. The first thing I always tell them is there's no such thing as a fatherless child. Mm-hmm. of all biological children in this world have a father. Right. The question is not if he exists. The question is where he exists. Right. But if you never ask the question where, you'd never give him worthiness of looking for him. Right. You don't go and look for him if you don't identify them. And so the world sees us as invisible. Right because every time we say fatherless not every, every time we say fatherless not fatherlessness that's a different term fatherless right. what that says to people is he doesn't exist right. and he begins to believe i don't exist right. so he doesn't show up the second thing i always tell them is that for every single mom there is a single dad right the term single mom only denotes marital status it does not denote parenting status right so if she's single so are you Right. If she's a single mom, you're a single dad. but if you but you've allowed the term to um take away your worthiness and your mm-hmm. power and being in your position as a dad, so you always are trying to become who she is as opposed to being who you are. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of what we do is really getting into the hearts of men because that's where we speak to them at. We have a progressive model that says, if I can change how a man feels, I can change what a man thinks. If I can change what a man thinks, I can impact what a man does. But I'm not going to get him to change his habit until I get him to think differently about his habits. And then I'm not going to get him to change his habits until I get him to embrace how he feels about it most people most guys when you ask them how they're doing they'll tell you they'll give you a description based on what a description based on what they're doing not how they're feeling. They're ignored. They won't say I'm doing. I'm not doing so well. I'm doing bad. And like oh, I lost my job. Oh, I'm going to. They'll answer a how are you feeling question with a what are you doing question. Right, right. Which means that they're overlooking and they don't want to talk about that feeling right. piece. They're okay. avoiding the emotion. Absolutely. Right. From the biblical perspective, I always tell them, listen. The heart is one of God's most fondest things within a man. Right. Right? It's the thing that he gets to you. Listen, in Exodus, when Pharaoh was denying Moses to take the Israelites um, to the promised land, with each plague that God gave Pharaoh, he ended it with one term. And he said, I hardened his heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he knew that if he didn't continue to harden Pharaoh's heart, he would, I, listen, I'd have gave up on the first plague. I'm like, all y'all get up out of here. I'm, <laughs> listen, frogs, fire, blood, I'm, I'm not trying, what? we shutting this whole operation <laughs> down. <laughs> we could just go, get out of here as quick as y'all can, right? But in order for him to keep saying no, he had to keep hardening his heart. And that's what happens to me.
3: At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: And we keep allowing people to harden our hearts. Yeah. Right? And we never get to the point of saying, my heart is the key to opening up who I am, to allowing people to come in, to allow myself to step out, you know, to allow myself, to your point earlier about authenticity, that authentic soul, um, to allow people to see my authentic me. Right. right. I always lead with a mask. Right. Right. I never lead with the man behind the mask. I'm always presenting to the world what I want the world to see as opposed to who I am. Mm. That's at the essence of what we do with Fathers Incorporated, because I can't get a guy to pay his child support to sustain himself in working, to get over or to To have the patience to get over the pain that he caused the mother of his child. Right. Right? To say I was wrong. I can't get him to do those other things until I get his heart right. Yeah. Like, you have to have your your heart right and it has to be placed in the right right place. And if your heart is not in the right place for anything in this world, it needs to be in the right place for your children. Amen to that. Right? And what happens is he misplaces his heart when he gets in those situations. It all becomes about her. Her and them, her and them, her and them. But what about little so-and-so and little so-and-so? You fighting over here so hard that you're leaving them over here right. without your attention. Right. So when you come to them and say, I wanna be your father, they say, Where you been? And you can't understand why they're so hang why they're so angry with you, it's because they've seen you fight. Right. They've seen you argue. They've seen you come to blows. They've seen you show up, but you've always shown up over there. They've seen your presence, but they haven't felt it. When did you fight for me? Right. When did you scream for me? Yeah. When did you yell for me? When did you fight? When did you sacrifice for me? And we just don't think our children see that. But as a fatherless child myself, I can tell you, I saw it.
4: Mm.
1: And when I finally met him at 23 years old, I had a chance to talk to him a little bit about it. But he passed away 18 months after I met him. So wow. when he was buried, all of my answers to all of my questions was buried with him. Wow.
2: Wow. You know, you, you said one thing that I want to dive into a little bit more. You brought up fatherless children, marital status. It, it feels to me, and, and this is, this is um, I'm not educated in this space, right? It feels to me that the statistics use marital status to negatively affect the way the media talks about fathers and children's lives. Absolutely. Is is, is that accurate? Absolutely. So what I heard you say was, mm -hmm. um, single mom Mm -hmm. is often interpreted as child with no father. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's not the case.
1: Or a parent raising a child with no father. Right, right, right. Right. And so two statistics that we can lay on. So we hear in our community that 73 percent of all non-married fathers, or all married children, mm-hmm. are born in out-of-wedlock households. Mm-hmm. But you'll hear people quote that and say, 73 percent of all African-American children are fatherless. right. It's not true. The statistic says that they were born out of wedlock, which means that their parents weren't married,? Right. But it does not mean that no, dad that is not in their lives. involvement, right? Right. And so, and what proves that is the other re- the other research that was done by Pew in 2013 that says that black fathers, in particular, are the most engaged fathers in day to day activities of their children, feeding, taking them to school, changing their diapers, and all those other things I than that any other CDC cohort too. of dad in this country. Yeah. It makes sense Brother, if we're say, the say most. Say that
2: one more time. Let, let the people hear that one more time. <laughs> so ain't so got to rewind
1: another One more time. Black fathers in this country are the most engaged cohort of men than any other cohort of men in this country, Mm. which makes sense. Most of them are unemployed. Mm. We think they're hanging on the streets. It's not happening. Go to any elementary school in the hood in the morning. What you will see is the vast majority of children being brought to school in the morning or being brought to school by men. Mm. Right? Right? Go at the end of the school when they're picking them up. The vast majority of people who are going to pick those children up in the end, at the end of the day, are men. They're engaged. They're just not engaged the way we want them to be engaged and the way we quantify their worthiness. Right. Because worthiness for men in our culture means that if he's not making money, he's not worthy. Right. Right. When children don't care about money, they don't care about presents, they care about presence. Are you there? Yes, indeed. Right? Not how much can you give me. Well, you came with bars today, didn't you? (laughs) 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 Not how much you give me. Right? I remember one year, my son had asked me for something. He was young, and I had went out, and whatever it was, it cost a whole lot of money. One of those things that you can't find at Christmas, and you have to kind of hunt it down to get it. And I was in one of the dollar stores, and they had the trouble game. Remember the trouble game mm-hmm, that Mhm. And I was like, man, I ain't played this game in a long time. I was like, let me scoop this up. It's like $5. Hours. Right. I brought it back and we played it a little bit that night. For the next 2 weeks, that expensive thing that I brought him was not touched. All I heard through my house all day long was
2: <laughs>
1: And I'm like Money doesn't matter to him. Expensive yeah. things don't matter to these kids. He, what he is remembering that this game is the game that we played on Christmas night. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat,
4: then that wasn't the road trip. It was just a really long drive.
1: ba At participating McDonald's. And I don't know how much it costs, but I do know that my dad and I played this game on Christmas night. That's yeah. what he's going to remember when he has kids, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's really what we do. That's the work that we do. Um, again, you know, I don't want to bore um, your audience with, Brother, the, with audience the details. my audience for this type of stuff. <laughs> Believe it. it is not boring. It's the they the here for this. Yeah, it's the essence of who we are that I want people to understand. Uh, trust me, I got the business in order. <laughs> um, but for my people, the business don't matter. You know, right. I have to tailor the outside of the things that I do for the people that I serve. And so when a guy comes into our office and he feels like he's up and his back is up against the wall, even when I got a ton of paperwork to do and a ton of things to do, I can tell within the first three seconds whether or not I got to listen to him for five minutes, an hour, or three hours. And I have to be willing to invest whatever it is. My wife will tell you there were many nights where I came home, I was in my car, and I was sitting in the garage, I right. was sitting out in the driveway in my car, and she always knew he must be talking to a dad that's like talking. And right. she was always right. I was sitting in the car just listening to a guy mm. just tell me his story. And I always tell people I got 10,000 stories in my head. Right. Um, but you live in this life. Yeah, but right. that's what we do as men, right? That's what the accountability circle is about. Right. The accountability circle is about creating safe havens for men to come and, again, be their authentic self. Right. Right be able to tell Dorsey something that he's not going to judge me for, right? He's going to recognize it in my life and he may criticize me, but he's not going to judge me for that failing, for that fall, right? And he's going to have his best interest or his he's going to have my best interest at heart right. because we're brothers, right? And so I know that even when I don't want to hear something, my brother is going to tell me. It's the best thing for me. That's the real work in working with black men today. And so, and you can't put a dollar amount on that. That's a a time amount. It's not about dollars. It's about how much time do you want to spend with black boys and black men in order to build their self-esteem enough to be the greatness that they are.
2: Mm. That's so real.
1: I I want to ask you one more question,
2: and then I want to bring Dorsey into the conversation. This is a how-to question, right? Um, When I think about the impact of being told, that I am a child who is father, right? If I think about what that means to me, and I contrast that with with my experience growing up with my father, and he's no longer with us today, but as I sit here at 45 years old, I can very easily access the parts of me that are him, right? And so what I begin to believe is that if I'm told I'm a fatherless child, then as Vince sitting here, I recognize that there are huge pieces of me that wouldn't be there, right? Mm -hmm. And so that begins to devalue who I am in that moment and who I can expect to be over time. Mm -hmm. And then from the father's perspective, right, you're you're being told that if your child is fatherless, then you therefore must not be worth anything, Mm -hmm. right? So how do you begin to help heal a child who has been labeled fatherless and heal the father who has been labeled childless. If you really think about it, Mm -hmm. how how do you start that healing process in order to create strong men all the way around or not even strong men, Mm -hmm. healthy men?
1: No, I get it. You know, unfortunately with many of the men that we serve, they happen to be both of those individuals. Mm -hmm. They happen to be the boy that was told that he was fatherless Mm -hmm. and the man that has become,
3: Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm
1: told that he's not worthy to be a father. Right. So when they come into us, the first thing we got to do is we got to deal with the little boy in him. Hmm. Right? The little boy has to be reprogrammed. He has to be, we have to get to the heart of the little boy. Right. And we have to tell him that the little boy is worthy, that it wasn't the little boy's fault, right? Because a lot of times we blame our history on the little boy in us, right? right. We blame the little boy for making decisions. We blame the little boy for not knowing more. We blame the little boy for not showing up when we need the little boy um, to show up. But oftentimes I tell guys that you will one day become the little boy that's inside of you. Yeah. And so as a man, you have to recognize the little boy's voice in you. i tell you, this is the Syracuse story. So my mother, one year, decided to send me to Syracuse to live with my father, our stepfather. And I probably was about 14 years old. And um, my mother sends me up there on a the bus. I'm in the house. They live about three, um, three about a mile from the school. It snows. I get up. The house is quiet. I look out the window. Snow is up on the window. I like, I can't see nothing. No cars, no nothing. All I saw was snow. Now I'm from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. If I saw that out my Brooklyn window, I'm going back to bed. Everybody else is going back to bed. I get a bowl of cereal and go in and start watching the Flintstones because you know, ain't no school today. Right. My stepfather gets up. I'm downstairs. He comes in. He turns. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm watching TV. Why are you not in school? I'm like, school? You see out the window it's like, it's out there. He's like, this is going to, so I'm like, there isn't, he's like, there is school. He was like, now get upstairs, get your clothes on, get your shoes on. And now my thing is, well, the bus is gone. He's like, well, you're going to walk to school. Now I'm like, no, I'm not walking to school. So we, now we getting, we into that conversation. So we, somewhere along in that conversation, I end up with me being in a headlock and choking me from behind. Right. And we was at the, our backs was against the window. We were back up against, pointed towards the window. And my brain was, I wanted to throw him out the window. So mm-hmm. I put my foot into the ground and I lunged back. And as opposed to going out the window, my foot slipped. This is why when I go back, I know God is in everything that we do. Because right. if my foot wouldn't have slipped, we both would have went out the window. Right. But my foot slipped and we fell at the bottom of the window. And I said to him when I fell, you're not going to beat me like you beat my mother. Mm. And he let me go. Mm. And then he went upstairs. And the next thing I know, he was sending me home. But I always describe that moment as that was the little boy speaking. Mm. Because I didn't recollect that. But I knew that as an eight-year-old boy, I used to sit outside the door while he was beating my mother, powerless to do anything about it. And at that moment, I wanted to let him know that you're not going to do this to me like you did it to my mother. But that was the little boy speaking. And so from that moment, I always knew that in order to get that man that's been told that he is not worthy to be a father to examine the little boy in him because the little boy is the one that's speaking to him at all times. Mm -hmm. And so it's for men, it's always listen to the inner voice, listen to the voice that's speaking to you and understand what's right about what he's saying and what is good about what he's saying, but always what is truthful about his, what he's saying because the little boy will never tell you a lie. Mm -hmm. He would only tell you his truth from his perspective. It's a hell of a story.
2: Dorsey, as as you sit here and, and you and you consume all of this information, what is it about an organization like this that attracted you to become a part of it?
4: I really just wanted to help. You know, in the black community as a whole. Um, I'm not super religious, but I pray every morning and I ask for guidance. Right. And when it comes, I follow it. Right. A friend of a friend, like we talked about earlier, Bo. Um like, hey, man, we got the, you know, he told me about Fathers Incorporated. He's like, we're having a meeting. It's probably maybe two months ago. He's like, you know, just come through. You know, I didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't I didn't do any background. I was like, I'm down to helping the black community with all the stuff that's going on in the world. And with this mindfulness program that I have, my mindset was, how can I help? Right. You know, it's crazy because I was, I was doing leadership development with a different company. And we were in a meeting, uh, and the, and the ladies who, who, who owned, the, owned the company and, and put the, the program together were, were older white women, you know, like mid-60s maybe. Right. And I was sitting there one day, and one of them said, hold on, stop talking. What are you thinking about right now? Because you got, my expressions are always, I, I can't hide my expressions. <laughs> right. And I said, uh, ain't nobody coming to say about black asses. Mm. What do you mean? We can? How can we help? That's not what I mean. It's, it, it was a self-empowerment program that gave us our power back. Right. So I was like, this is what we need to do. I, I, I want to I wanna make a different version for the black community because if we don't save ourselves, nothing's going to happen. Right. I don't know who we waiting on to come and save us, but we need to do the legwork here first in order to move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't even, you know, let me go help fathers. It was... The prayer was, how can I help? Right. And then that's what happened. And for the record, in Syracuse, the only way school is canceled is if the temperature is 24 below zero. Jesus. (laughs) I swear to God. (laughs) If there's two feet of snow, they will have that snow cleared by Mm -hmm. the time it's time to go to school. Mm -hmm. Rarely was school canceled because of snow. Right. Rarely. Mm -hmm. So I, I get that. I get that 100%. Um, in Atlanta, it's 24 millimeters. Right. right. They shut it down. I, I, and I, I think Syracuse and Atlanta got the same amount of snow trucks, except Syrac- Syracuse is about a, a, not even an eighth of the size right. of Atlanta. Absolutely. Right? I always thought that, um, the, the the plan here for the snow right. was, fuck it, it's going to melt eventually. <laughs> it, it is. Basically, that's, plan, that's what right? it is, right? Cause, cause, right? Nothing happens. Plus, right? So, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that seems like the plan here in Atlanta. Um So yeah, that's how I got
2: involved. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, as as a football player, you are very familiar with strategy and running plays, right? Yeah. So, as I sit here and and I listen, it's very obvious that there is some strategy at play, and that and that plays are being run effectively. So, as a father who is tied to the organization and supportive of the organization and partnering with the organization, what play do you think? that we need specifically for black fathers in America right now? Are we at the stage where it's time to throw up the Hail Mary at the end of the game, you're trying to get the touchdown? Or can we, do we
4: still have the luxury of being smart and strategic in the steps that we make? We do have the luxury of being smart and strategic. But like anything else, it's a process. Right. Right. Nothing happens overnight. Everything takes time, especially when you're talking about reprogramming or rewiring your mindset. You know, Because whatever way we've been thinking, we've been thinking that way our whole lives. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, the way we think is just from our childhood, is the way right. we were raised. We were raised by, as they say, it takes a village to raise, raise a kid in the African-American uh, community. We're all raised by our community. And that's, what, however that community thinks, that's how we're raised to think. As a father, or the fathers that are in their kids' lives, we all have challenges. You know, one thing, um, like I said, we're all products of our, of our environment. My dad was there the whole time. He was there from birth. Until I left for college, mm-hmm. right? My dad didn't do a whole lot of talking. I didn't get a lot. Of, I, I probably got maybe two whoopings my whole life, so it wasn't a lot. My dad was a head smacker,
2: <laughs>
4: right? Didn't I tell you yeah, pop fine. and you just pop your side <laughs> to head? But what happens is, and, and and I know I know my dad loved me, and I knew he had my back because, like you said, he stood up for me in public. Touch my son, I'm gonna break your, I'm gonna break <laughs> your neck. So I know he cared about me, but amen. There was. As I got older, I thought there was a better way to handle the situation as, a side, as opposed to smacking me upside my head every time I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. As kids, we go, we, we go from different stages, right? My, my son is six. He's got a ton of energy. Mm-hmm. Don't like to sit down Will drop kick your ass in a minute if you ain't looking. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's easy, it's easy to get mad and upset. What I remind myself is to embrace the stage that your kid is in. Yeah, we yes, talked yeah. about this. We came in here. You got a 12 year old daughter. Yeah, and I said the fun, <laughs> the fun part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just about, beginning. It's just beginning. <laughs> and instead of dreading it, so you know what I know is coming. Yeah, this is the stage they're in, and there's no reason to be upset because they're in it. We are, we all been through it. One of the things I do when I raise my son is I put myself in in his shoes.
2: Right.
4: What if that was me? How how would I raise me? Right. how would I be most effective in learning
2: right
4: and what I figured is if I sit down and talk to him he understands what I mean I don't have to discipline him physically right and what I think because there was so much resentment from from from, from my dad when I grew up because of the way he handled it I don't want that for my son yeah mm-hmm. and I don't want that for our relationship mm-hmm. and like I said my dad was there he provided for us he worked he worked his ass off um but our relationship soured because he didn't know how to effectively teach me. Why? You know, they, 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 just like you said, just step back, grab you in the headlock. For a lot of black men, we've been taught either subconsciously, subliminally, that if we don't get what we want, if we hurt the other person, they'll do what we want them to do. Mm-hmm. That carries over from, from the living room to the playground, mm-hmm. to school. Right. To the basketball court mm-hmm. You don't do what I say Or what I want you to do I'm going to bust your ass Why? There's a better way Right We we all want to stop the violence In the black community mm-hmm. Where does it start? Yeah It starts in the home Right And I'm not When something happens to your kitchen You might say
0: This is ludicrous
1: But that won't fix your home That will only get you the rapper Ludicrous Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us.
3: Thanks, Mr. Chris.
1: No matter how ludicrous the situation,
4: like a good neighbor,
1: State Farm is there.
4: State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. I'm not saying a good butt whooping won't get you straight sometimes, but let's think about where or why we as black people beat our kids. It goes back to slavery. If your kids got out of line in slavery, sometimes not only would the masters whip them with the lashes, but they would kill them.
5: Right, yeah.
4: Unfortunately, one of the most effective ways to teach people is pain. Yeah. To get people to do what you want is pain. Mm -hmm. They did it back then because they were trying to save the kids from a worse whooping from the masters. We don't have to do that now. There's a different way to teach our kids. And that's that's how I think I can help, just bringing a different perspective and a different mindset into how you raise your kids. Right. And raise them on a mindset based on love as opposed to a mindset based on fear. Yeah, right. Right, my dad saying, who the fuck are you talking to? That was, that was to scare me. Yeah. I guess I ain't talking to nobody then. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know what I mean? And the fear of getting a butt whooping. Yeah. Right. I was afraid of him. I don't want my son being afraid of me. I I don't want want any of my kids being afraid of me. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to do whatever. I'll die for both of these kids right now. I'm I'm, I'm with that.
1: Regardless of your relationships with your dad, can you imagine life without him?
4: Nope. No. And and I've always said, regardless of any problems that we had or any resentments that I had, the main reason... I didn't get into trouble or do stuff that a lot of kids were doing, because I was scared of my <laughs> yeah, dad. My dad, yeah. You know, it's like a double-edged sword. It yeah. it, it, it it works. Yeah. You know, we talked about that, why it works. You know, with the slavery, but there's got to be another way.
2: Yeah. You know, it's it's not that it's not that our fathers were bad. We just have an we have an obligation to just simply be better. Evolve, right? Exactly. Yeah.
1: Here's the crazy thing. I used to do some work with um, with the NFLPA. Did some training and stuff at their regional meetings. Um, Bahati Van Pelt. I don't know if you know Bahati. Yeah, um, yeah. So Bahati's now with the Olympics. He's, he's blowing up now. He didn't return my phone calls. He's with the Olympic <laughs> Committee now. That's not true. Actually, when he comes in, he always sends me a text. Um, but him and I was having this conversation one time in Vegas, and they had, we had all these, you know, ex-NFL players there. And we were talking about Fatherless. We were talking about fatherlessness in this this training. This is what I was talking about. And he said, "Yo, Ken." He said, "You know the crazy thing about most athletes, particularly ones in the NFL and in the NBA." He says, "You know, one." He says, "You want to know what the key is? One of the keys to becoming a pro." And I said, "What?" He said, "Having your father in your life." He said, "At the elementary and high school level, you gonna see a lot of." Cats without fathers in their lives. He says at the collegiate level, you see less. And he says at the pro level, you see even less of dudes that are in the locker room who had no relationship with their dads. And he says the dudes that I knew who were the best well-rounded individuals were guys who had their fathers in their lives.
4: Is that true? I never even thought of it. And when you said that, what went through my mind was being in the locker room in Green Bay. And when you you were saying that, I could picture... Brett Favre's dad, Antonio Freeman's dad, everybody's dad who was around, um, and, and not everybody had it. I, well, I'm not, well, I shouldn't say that. I, not everybody's dad was always there, but there was a dad presence that was that was that was always there. Mm-hmm. You know, especially during the games or after games, where the mm-hmm. families meet, in and in a, we had a little like a little gym area, and it was it was really a family thing, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and and it's, it it almost seems like the stronger. Family bonds you had, the more confident you were as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, you know it's kind of weird. I can't put my finger on because I haven't done a, re- a whole lot of research. Mm-hmm. But when you said that, it automatically it, it took me back there to the the, the after the the, the post game meetings with the families.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that it's, it, when he told me that, it was a motivator for me. It was just like not that I'm already mo- not motivated, but if you if I really want my kids to succeed, my presence is critical, mandatory mandatory in their lives. Got
2: to. Listen, we're, we're running toward the end of the session and I want to ask one last question. With all that you're doing with this organization and, and with the way it, it, it rests on your heart and aligns with your passions, how do you know when your job is done?
1: I won't. It's the, I've been to the mountaintop and I may not see Mm. Mm. the fruits of my labor because the real fruits of my labor will not happen with dads. It's going to happen with their children. When I see healthy children come out of the fathers I serve, that's when I know I've done a good job and I probably won't be here to see that. My agency will be here to see it, but I probably won't be here to see it. Legacy. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I like that. Cool, well, Fellas, this has been an amazing time. I've enjoyed it. I know the listeners got something out of it. I, I always do this at the end of the episode, and, and I'll give you both a few moments to close out and tell the listeners whatever it is that's on your heart to share with them. The only thing that I ask is that if you're okay with it, share how they can follow you, how they can get closer to the work that you all are doing. Dorsey, I love you kick us off, brother.
4: Um, so you can follow me on Instagram at Dorsey Levin's 25 on Facebook. Um, at just Dorsey eleven same thing on LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, are the ways you can get in touch with me. You know, really for me, man, what's on my heart is trying to get us as a black people to come together. I don't know how to do that. Um, I have some ideas. Like we talked about earlier, life is trial and error. So we, 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 we throw it against the wall, and if it sticks, it sticks. If it doesn't, we throw it again mm-hmm. and just find something that works. So really just, man, just us trying to come together as a people, because that's where our power is. Like I said before, like I told those women, ain't nobody coming to save our black asses. Right. True. If we don't take control, especially us as black men, mm-hmm. we ain't got a chance. Mm-hmm. A, a Syracuse snowball's chance <laughs> in hell. <laughs> to, get, to get on the right
1: track. <laughs> wow. Uh, and Kenneth, brother, same yeah. question to you. Um, for me, I just tell people to Google me. It's easier to do that um, because we got so many platforms in so many ways. Always right. Kenneth Braswell and always Father's Incorporated. But when right. you Google us, all of those things kind of pop up at the top. Our websites, our Instagram accounts, our LinkedIn, our Google Facebook flicks. accounts. Yeah, do the Google thing. Um, And if I had to leave something with your listeners, it is be unapologetically black. Mm. Don't make excuses for being Mm. black. Don't hide your blackness. Right? Don't cower under your blackness. Right. And don't do that in front of your children. Don't display to your children that there's something to be shameful about in being black. Embrace it. Separate from people that look like you, who don't want to be you. Mm -hmm. Let God have them. Cornel West, and I'll leave it here, um, said to me in an interview a few years ago when I was interviewing him about the Monaghan Report, um, said to me in Cornel's way, brother, blessed is the black man who works for people who don't love themselves.
2: That's real deep. Question, that report you mentioned, is that the Negro family thing? Yeah, that's where all this started at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listeners, we'll tell you more about that later. <laughs> uh, the only thing I've got for you is if you are a great father or not so great father, try to be a better father tomorrow. With that, we out. Wild Black, peace. We love you.
1: When something happens to your kitchen, you might say,
0: This is ludicrous.